0: Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Stuttering Springboard, a podcast series been put on by the Nolan Stuttering Foundation. And today, Brian Nolan interviews Dr. Joseph Donaher and his new book, I, I, I got next. It's a, it's a book about a a boy who stutters and his experiences. The book hits every aspect of Calvin's life including sports, school, speech class, avoidance, family life, and finally, grit and courage. Joe Donaher is the program director for research and academics at the Center for the Childhood and, Communi- and Communication at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. welcome to the stuttering springboard
1: a podcast series put on by the nolan stuttering foundation that looks deeply into critical transition periods in the lives of young people who stutter our goal is to help remove the barriers to make transitions successful we're talking about grade school high school college and career um and then it and you know, professional life as a person who stutters. And today, I have, uh, I'm gonna go back where it all started with uh, Dr. Joe Donaher, uh, who is my mentor, uh, um, who helped me start the Knoll Stuttering Foundation, um, who is a proud author of a new book uh, called I, I, I Got Next. Uh, where we talk about Calvin. Joe Donaher is a program director for research and academics at the Center for Childhood Communication at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Uh, to many of us who stutter, he he's bringing speech therapy back to where it should be and uh, for people who stutter and helping educate uh, a lot of different people about what it means to be a person who stutters. Joe, welcome to The Stuttering Springboard.
2: Thank you, Brian. Great to see you as always.
1: Now, I watched you write this book uh, as I would get emails and texts at all hours of the night from a very excited Joe Donaher about just sort of the story. Um, First, maybe, Tell us some of the passion behind this book. Some of the because I I I've known you a long time, and that I see, and you're a very you're a very enthusiastic person. I've I've been accused of that also. But what what drove the passion around? I I I got next.
2: Yeah, it's a good question, and it's not like I said now's the time to write a book, and I want to write a book. So it's I've thought about it for a long time. And I think it all goes back to, uh, again, what is stuttering? And and that kind of sounds odd, but I've been a speech language pathologist working with people who stutter for 25 years, okay? Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting on airplanes, I'm meeting people at cocktail parties, they ask, what do you do for a living? And when you mention stuttering, everyone seems to think they know what stuttering is. And everybody kind of has an idea in their head of what stuttering is, but The the reality of is, unless you're a person who stutters, or you know someone intimately who's a person who stutters, or or you've had a a long standing relationship with people who stutter, you're probably really limiting what your viewpoint of stuttering is. Most Mm. people think of stuttering just as a set of behaviors. And it's so much more than that. So over my career, when I've talked to kids who stutter, and I ask them to tell me about their stuttering. Very rarely does a child tell me about behaviors. In fact, I very rarely have a child say, oh, I repeat syllables and I block and attention. And they tell me stories about the impact of stuttering. They right. tell me stories about the role that stuttering plays in their life. And mm. for me, what I wanted to do is I, I wanted to take some of those powerful stories and, and I wanted to show stuttering for what it truly is a more realistic perspective of what stuttering is
0: mm. and,
2: and also a, realist, a realistic perspective of some of the common ways people think they're supporting people who stutter which may not be that helpful
1: mm. Why? Well, so why why has it not been more prevalent like why why this book and why not sooner why what's going on in the um community of, of speech therapists and 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 the, and the perception of why stuttering is misunderstood.
2: It's hard. I mean, it's a hard question to answer that. Why right now, right? Um, maybe because I'm lazy and I just <laughs> not done for so many years because I thought about this for a long time. But the other thing, the other reason that I didn't do it until recently is thinking about a book like this is really difficult to, to figure out where you want to target it to figure out who is this message for, right? Because I think we need a message for children who stutter of support and encouragement. And we also need messages for their parents, for their coaches, for their teachers, for their next door neighbors. And so I think that was a lot of the the focus of this book is to give a message about what stuttering truly is and maybe ways that we can help people who
1: stutter. Give us a brief overview. Who's Calvin and what, What's he, what's he dealing with?
2: Well, Calvin is a, a young boy. Uh, and it's interesting because you could say he's just like everybody else. It starts out on a basketball court. And I'll tell you uh, kind of a side story to this. The basketball court in my head was at Aaron Swim Club where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And I still see the basketball court in my head mm-hmm. um, when I'm thinking about this chapter. And he's standing on the basketball court. And he's got some of his buddies around him. And really the basketball court was just a metaphor for life. Right. And he goes into it on his own and he has to ask to uh, have the next game, to call out the next game, but he's the only one doing it. His buddies are with him, aren't supporting him. They're not helping him. He's really alone. And he calls it out. And then he gets smacked right away by this big, big kid kind of making fun of stuttering and I think the hard part in in the beginning of the book is Calvin's really alone, and so many people who stutter feel so alone. Me. Yeah, so many people start to feel that right, and say that I'm by myself, no one's supporting me, no one's standing up for me, and that's how the book starts: is th- yeah. this kind of incident with the the older kid, and then his friends instead of supporting him kind of mock him as well. And even to the point that the, he's told to go over to the baby. Right? Mm-hmm. So then the, the book keeps going and telling different stories and different people that Calvin interacts with. And my hope again is that this is a fairly realistic perspective so that people uh, can learn a little bit more about the real impact of stuttering.
1: Two thoughts. One thought is, um, you know, Calvin probably spent all day thinking about how he's going to say, "I got next." Like what? What people listening to this need to know is like this is this is this impact thing. Like yeah. how is it going to feel? And he so wanted to play basketball. Probably a great player, and he's probably he's ready. He's practicing, and then it happens, and it his nightmare happens. Right? That's his nightmare that yeah. he teed up. Um, you so-
2: said something interesting though. You said. Um- He's probably great at basketball. It's <laughs> like an afterthought. You're like, he's playing basketball. It doesn't matter if he's good or bad at basketball, right? It right. doesn't really matter. He actually is good at basketball from from what it says and that he hadn't missed a shot when he was practicing. And that didn't matter. And I think that's an interesting kind of, uh, kind of uh, switch over to stuttering here is for many people who stutter, it doesn't matter how much stuttering you do there's kids who stutter who stutter on almost every word and kids who barely stutter. And yet they feel very similar feelings of inadequacy. They feel very similar feelings of shame and guilt. They feel like things are their for. So just like if you can stutter a little bit or a lot, and you can still have that experience. That's kind of what we were hoping to show there that his actual basketball skills never come yeah. into play.
1: Right. I, you know, I felt that like, um, I I was never a super, super severe stutter, um, but man, did it super, super impact me? <laughs> like, right? like the yeah. the shame of concealment, uh, right? the shame of a stutter of the shame of not being able to get my name out. It was just huge here. so so we talk about it, it addresses a lot of audiences here. So let's. Let's let's hit the audiences and let's talk about how do you intend to use this book in therapy. Um, how who is the audience and where do you where do you start applying it? Because when you were writing it, we we were talking about it. We kept saying, "Wow, there's so many uses of this," right? Yeah,
2: yeah. And what was interesting is every use we came up for added a chapter, so the book was going <laughs> to never end at one point. But um, this story, uh, I think, this is kind of interesting. So in the very beginning. Uh, I went to, I got a co-writer, right? And so I had the story, I had the idea, but a friend, uh, Najee, was going to co-write it with me. So I started talking to him about it. And Najee's not a person who stutters, he's an author, and he writes inspirational books uh, for kids. So we thought he was a good guy to, to have write this book with us. And what's really interesting is his first question was, give me an overview of the book. So I, I start with this kid on the basketball court, and he stutters, and he can't get it out. And he's, embarrassed, and he's frustrated, and he walks away in shame. And, I said, and then the rest of the book, he's going to meet other characters as children normally do in real life. And he said to me, oh, I already got the ending. So the ending is he goes out on the court, and he goes to call for the game, and he doesn't stutter
1: happily like, ever oh, after because that's how it that's how it
2: works right yeah i was like no that's a horrible ending to this story and uh, so what's interesting is we wanted the ending to be that this child was supported that again the metaphor for a team they all came together they supported him and they they kind of trusted him and honored him and at the end it was we've got game not i've got game but the stuttering was still there And I think that was a big, big lesson for me uh, to teach the the co-writer about it, because we don't want this to be um, a story where the stuttering goes away. So everything else takes care of itself. And I think that's one of the big messages or one of the big things that that I want to push with this book is that stuttering is not the problem. Stuttering is just the kind of description of what happens when you talk sometimes for some individuals. This book is about the impact of stuttering. And stuttering, again, isn't as impactful as the way the individual reacts to the stuttering and the way others surrounding them react to the stuttering. Mm -hmm. So one of the things we wanted to push here is that you can stutter. That's not an issue. Stuttering becomes an issue when you start to doubt yourself because of stuttering, when you start to become anxious because of stuttering, and you start predicting that you're going to break down with your speech, so you start avoiding.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: you use the term concealment earlier. And really what concealment is, is trying to hide who you are. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a person who stutters and you get kind of in that trap of wrestling with your stuttering and trying to consistently hide the fact that you're a person who stutters to me that's when the problem with stuttering manifests oh man to me, for me good therapy goes after that you're,
1: it after you're nailing beauty. it you're nailing it i mean to to go through the day and and to and to see the day before it happens and understand all the places that you need to hide from it is is the life of a person who stutters and uh, that avoids becoming the authentic you. and and then to, then to think that, well, you can't be something or do something because you stutter. Um, this is, this is the real sort of psychosocial impact of stuttering. And what, what you always talk about, which I wished I had talked about more when I was younger, is stuttering better. Stuttering better, stuttering through it, becoming a better stutterer. Um, I'm still learning how to do that. I still, I still opt for switching words and concealment, although less and less concealment to be clear.
2: Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> I mean, on my way to work today, I avoided uh, township line, Brian, because there's an accident. I avoided the blue route because it was going to take me too long. So I don't think we should ever think about not avoiding everything. Right, we're going to avoid stuff. Right, right, right. but what starts happening is when that avoidance takes over right so that avoidance when you stop doing things because you're stuttering that's what we've got to get to that's what we've got to kind of address in therapy
1: holy totally um all right let's let's tee up this this specific chapter um because i think it's a chapter anybody who has ever had speech therapy can relate to. Um, uh, Joe read this at, at a recent workshop that we did called the stuttering springboard. We had about 22 um, adults and young adults here. And uh, uh, Joe's gonna read uh, a few minutes of it. Joe, tee it up. Why? Why this chapter?
2: It's really interesting. This chapter, again, I'm not uh, the brightest guy in the world. And this was an easy project for me because I've heard so many stories over the years from kids who stutter telling me similar stories to what this chapter is about. And what's interesting is we know one of the best ways to predict successful therapy is to look at the relationship between the the client and the clinician, right? Mm -hmm. And if you have a strong kind of relationship, if you trust each other, if you kind of uh, really feel comfortable sharing with each other, outcomes are going to be better, right? Mm -hmm. So what this story talks about is unfortunately something that the speech language pathologist started right from the beginning in a way that she wanted this child to feel good, wanted him to feel supported and wanted him to feel like she really wanted to spend time with him. But unfortunately, it kind of backfired and it made him stand out more. And it made him upset and anxious and fearful a little bit because he looked different than all the other kids in the class. And then he was pulled out of class to go to speech therapy. Again, a very common uh, experience for many kids who stutter. And the speech therapist was really trying hard to help him. And she was very focused on not stuttering. And you can mm. see in that situation that where he kind of was upset and where he felt kind of abandoned was this focus on fluency or focus on not stuttering. But the cost was very artificial sounding speech, unnatural speech, speech that he wouldn't do. And yet that's what he was expected to carry on with. So the end of this scene is he takes his homework. And he uh, files it right in the trash can.
1: Okay, I'm going to cut to the uh, chapter read. It's only a, a few minutes, but let's cut to it and come back and talk
0: about it. You Take a, a listen as the author reads a, a chapter from this just released book. And hear how Brian and, and, and Joe <laughs> and break it down. If you, st- if, you, if, you, if you stutter, get ready to <laughs> relive your youth.
2: I'm not a person who stutters. Uh, I've spent my career working with people who stutter. And uh, this book is a compilation of everything uh, I've had the fortunate privilege of being taught by all those people over the last 25 years of my career. Uh, when we first started looking at this book and started writing a book, Uh, I I really had a certain vision in mind. And I went to the publisher the first time and said, I want to write a book about stuttering. And he's like, yeah. And uh, they said, okay, what's your target audience? And I said, I want to write a book for people who's like, for kids who stutter, for teens who stutter, for their parents, for speech language pathologists, for teachers and for coaches. And and they said, well, that's six books right there. Uh, (laughs) you, You have to pick one target. You have to do this. So I didn't listen to that. And we tried to write a book that every chapter was for a different audience. And every chapter taught something about stuttering. And my commitment to this book was to teach some of the things that people don't understand about stuttering. So when I'm reading this, please know these aren't my lived experiences. And many generous people like yourselves have taught me this stuff over the years. I have a voice though that I can share this with. And so my goal with this is to use this as, when I speak to speech language pathologists, start with a certain section. When I teach to talk to parents, start with a different section. So uh, Brian picked the section that we're going to do today, and I'm excited to do it. Um, This chapter is called Speech Classes, and uh, I want to let everybody know that I think four people have seen this book so far, so it's brand new, but I'm going to read it. And you have a video in front of me, thanks Brian. Okay, every Wednesday since kindergarten, Calvin went to speech therapy. That meant that at ten fifteen, right in the middle of math class, Mrs. Jordan, a school-based speech therapist, would come into the classroom and wave to Calvin. She always did that with a big smile, an attempt to make Calvin feel positive about going with her. She was trying to be a good friend and make him feel comfortable. However, the effect was very different from what she expected and Calvin dreaded seeing her. He felt like she was announcing that dork over there stutters every time she entered the classroom. Calvin and Mrs. Jordan sat at a small table in the middle of the speech therapy room. She took out a box filled with picture cards and placed it next to the Don't Break the Ice game, which was set up in the middle of the table. With a big smile, she reminded Calvin that they were going to use turtle talk to slow down his speech and express himself calmly so that he'd have more control and time to pause to allow himself to be at ease while expressing himself. Speaking very softly and deliberately, Mrs. Jordan instructed Calvin to speak slowly, gently touch your tongue, lips and mouth while talking as per the talking talk, turtle talk methods. Calvin started to say each word as instructed, cat, top, shower, bed, chair, bike. He barely stuttered on those words, which caused Mrs. Jordan to make comments like, great job, smooth talking. This had always confused Calvin because even though he was not stuttering now, he thought that he sounded ridiculous when he used these speech tools and he would never talk like that in front of people. At the end of the session, Mrs. Jordan handed Calvin a sheet with speech homework written across the top. She said, Calvin, I want you to practice your speech tools daily in school with your friend and at home with your family. Talk slowly and stretch out your words. As Calvin walked to his classroom, he followed his homework in the trash can, as he always did, and wondered why anyone would want to talk as slow as a turtle.
1: Whoa, you know... um... As you were writing this book and sending me these things, uh, I would add a sentence or two uh, to you because of because I felt like uh, you're writing it about me. (laughs) And, you know, it's emotional. And I pictured I could I could actually see um, the speech therapy therapist in my life in fourth grade. I could picture her face opening the door and I'm saying, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it uh Brian Nolan and then everybody looking where is Brian going? Why's huh what's wrong with him? And it overshadowed everything yeah. here. Um without being overly critical. Uh, and 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 you can be a little critical <laughs> cuz <'cause> I will. <laughs> what's what's the problem with speech therapy for stutterers in, in the in current environment?
2: Yeah, well, I, again, I think there's a lot of different problems with speech therapy right now. We have huge problems with access. We have huge problems with kids being able to get someone who even knows anything about stuttering and speech therapy. So there's a lot of issues there. But I think this chapter, one of the things I like about this chapter is Calvin wanted to interact and the speech therapist wanted to interact with him and be his friend. Okay, so she was going overboard, was very energetic and was excited. There was fun games to play. There was all of this. And yet at the end, he felt worse about himself. Yeah. And at the end, he felt that stuttering doesn't fit with communication. Right. Because they were at this word level where they were just focusing on stuttering or not. Right. And what he wanted to do is engage. And this therapist got that kind of, that he needed to engage with her, but the focus didn't fit. So Mm. I would have said, I think he might've been better off just having a conversation and feeling better about his skills communicating. Part of what we have to do in speech therapy is kind of um, play the role of listener Mm. to allow the person who stutters to be the communicator right it sounds simple but the more we talk usually the better we feel about talking the more we avoid talking the harder talking comes and the more we continue to avoid that so i think much of the problem with speech therapy is it's really not based on communicating effective communicating and really engaging with another listener mm. and if that doesn't happen it's really hard to, to make it a positive experience
1: you know you know i coach around sales uh a bit. And we say that um, the prospect won't care until they know you care. And um, I think what happens with speech therapy is is they just start to, they go right to the tool transaction, without really understanding you, it's about the transaction. And to now, so I, I I do want to make room for the tools, because I I think you would argue that that tools are, in fact, um, helpful, in many respects, to stutter better, like I, I had tools.
2: I think it depends where this Brian, where this conversation always gets kind of uh, gets a little bit more difficult is how do you define what tools are? Right. And so, for example, I think eye contact is a tool. Right. Eye contact is a great tool. It really shows your listener, it shows you, it gives comments, All this, right? Um, there's other times where a tool might be speech rate. Changes, right? So if someone's going super fast, they might want a tool to reduce their rate. But then there's other folks who say, well, this tool is to reduce the amount of stuttering I do, or this tool is to reduce the tension in my stuttering. So Mm -hmm. there's so many different types of tools that I find it difficult um, when we just use the general term tool. Uh, Got it. Well, I would say, what's the purpose in therapy? What's the goal? Mm -hmm. Right. And very rarely is the goal um, to avoid avoidance very rarely do we hear people say well i want them talking more i want them to initiate more conversation i want them to use effective communication strategies too often what we hear from kids who stutter in their families is all of the goals are just about fluency.
1: so give me give me some tools to uh, fix it is usually the approach that's taken by parents like can you help fix them And, you know, what tools where what you're talking about is understand the human being, understand the approaches and the goals around what's making this person feel bad and feel and and feel shame. So tools is just a big, a big T tool, I would say, is is it's therapy. So understand the human being first. And we've Uh, got to start there.
2: Then we go through what's therapy. I mean, Charles Van Riper is a very famous speech language pathologist, one of the forefathers of stuttering therapy. And uh, Van Riper used to say therapy starts when you stop seeing your therapist. Mm. So, you know, really what you decide is therapy changes over time, too. Um, I think one of the the most positive experiences that we're seeing a shift in the stuttering community right now is the involvement of the stuttering community. So for years, we've been saying in therapy, uh, the individual has to help create their goals and they have to be personable for them. But but I think even larger than that, the stuttering community now is becoming much more um, engaged, much more vested in clinical care, in research, and things like that, to help other people who stutter, and that's mm. been a great thing. Now we have people who stutter who are playing more active roles in research. Okay, mm. both from a design standpoint, from a f- uh, following the research standpoint, and from a participation standpoint. And I think what's starting to happen is we're looking at stuttering in a much broader lens, mm. and we're looking at the individual differently. And I think involving support organizations, starting support organizations young. So these young kids who stutter meet other kids who stutter earlier, right? All of these are really changing, I think, the face of what therapy looks like for stuttering.
1: Yeah, interesting. So so the Nolan Stuttering Foundation is, um, I th- I think, I think succeeding because we've got adults who stutter, who really want to tell their story. And that's still part of their therapy, by the way, right? Yeah. And yeah. so they're coming on and, and making it real. And then young people are are listening to these adults who stutter and and see how they broke through ceilings that that they yeah. had to in the uh, grit. Um, in the most recent uh, workshop that we did a few weeks ago, we did practice interviewing and we did some role play interviewing where first adults who stutter shared some of their interview experiences and how tough it it was and what they did. And then we role played it. And because I, if I'm like a college kid, I'm thinking to myself, how am I going to interview for this job? And so they're sitting around the room here. Uh, and now I'm starting to see myself saying, oh, by the way, I stutter. So if maybe I, I delay getting out of word, it doesn't mean I I don't don't know the answer it just means it just may take me a little longer yeah so so let's get the in the way's out of the way say that now let's get this job
2: you know right and but that, that comes from being open and honest about stuttering right and and that's one of the things i think is so powerful about telling stories like this right yeah. because someone telling a story has to kind of organize and formulate their thoughts and ideas yeah. right so they have to get a deeper understanding of their own issue or their own struggles or whatever yeah. they're dealing with. So for them to organize that and tell that story is very helpful for them. It's very cathartic for them. Mm-hmm. But it also is a great way to model to others that A, it's okay to talk about your stuttering yeah. and it's okay to talk about emotions related to stuttering. Yeah. So the more we have people tell their own stories, the better it is for them and for everybody else. Yeah, And you can start seeing the ideas start to percolate in folks' heads that, you know, I've never talked about this, but this is a safe environment to do so. Holy. And that's what I hope the book does a bit, is to kind of get these stories um, out there and get more stories out
1: Totally, totally. You know, my, my biggest fear used to be uh, someone finding out that I stutter. Or even asking me, do you stutter? Or why do you talk that way? Like, that was literally like my biggest fear. Isn't yeah. that crazy? And, that, and so once you take that out away through... Through disclosure, you take away your biggest fear. Now bring the world on. Now, let, let's make
2: let's let's look at that a, in a more realistic standpoint because I think we say things like that all the time, Brian. Like someone's asked, "Why do you talk like that?" Right, and it's very easy for a speech therapist, right. pathologist to say, "Just say because I get stuck and I stutter or whatever, have an answer for it." Right. But we can start looking at that instead of as a negative that people were teasing you or making fun of your speech or whatever. We can start using that as a pivot point. Hmm. We can start saying, won't it be great when someone asks you what's going on with your speech or why do you talk that way or do you stutter? And we can start looking at that. That's a great, great time to educate someone about speech and language and stuttering and what to do. So if we kind of equip these children who stutter, teens who stutter, with the ability to openly discuss their stuttering, to talk about it, and to teach others, that's how we get to the place we want to be.
1: Mm. It's a journey, I I can tell you. It's it's going to take a lot of work. I, I think it's gonna take years for us to continue this movement to get people comfortable talking about it. It just is, okay,
2: okay. you only just
1: turned six. To... I figure I got a couple of decades easy to yeah, to uh, change the world as we just, as we say. So I uh, I understand you've you're gonna have a, a a conversation to educate a lot of speech therapists uh, coming up here soon. can you, can you tell us about that? where you're going and, wh- and what you're going to do. Are, are you going to read this chapter or talk about this chapter?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I lecture a lot to speech-language pathologists. And, and I'll tell you how I plan to use this book in my lectures now. I plan to read a chapter at the start. I plan to use those stories to lead us into workshopping what to do with someone who studied. I, I plan to lead in with real people now, so that we're not talking about behaviors, we're talking about people. I love it. And, and I think that's one of the things this book is gonna allow me to do a lot more. Of.
1: And then we'll start seeing it at, you know, locally in schools where where speech therapists start to specialize in stuttering and understand it. Um, okay, let, let's let tee up another chapter that, uh, that maybe next month we'll have you back and um, talk a little bit about fish sticks versus french fries what what could possibly be related to the two and why would they even be using the same sentence yeah well i think this is uh it's funny to me fish sticks is like
2: one of the worst things you can imagine eating and uh i grew up an irish catholic family and on friday nights in Lent, especially, you would have Uh, fish. So as kids, we would always get the fish sticks or the little circular ones. I don't even know what they're called. Just as bad as the fish stick though. Um, So what this whole section is about is this kid Calvin makes a decision to avoid stuttering. And the penalty for that is that he's got to eat fish sticks. Because? So because he's too too worried or anxious, scared, to say the word french fries. So the whole thing is, this is a scene where he gives up what he wants mm. for what he doesn't want mm. to hide his stuttering. And when we talk about hiding the fact that you stutter or or, or really concealing it in any way, the problem with it is that you usually feel worse afterwards? So here's the kid, who won, because he didn't stutter. Mm. But what he
1: won was a pile of fish sticks. So oh. a the point? Well, well, we'll leave it at that. We, we, with a taste of fish sticks in your mouth, um, it's a it's a wonderful book about about real life experiences. Calvin could be seventh grade, eighth grade, ninth grade. He could be be in high school. Um, we we often say people stutter differently, but they mostly experience the same thing. And I think that's what this does. Dr. Joe Donahue, uh with gratitude, uh, thanks for being here and sharing. Thank you, Brian. And until next time, be bold,
0: be brave. Thank you. Nolan Stuttering Foundations NSF's primary purpose is to bring young people who stutter together and help them become the best versions of themselves. We do this through programming design to help them share and navigate the unique communication and psychological challenges they experience. helps prepare young people to take the next step in their lives, whether it's high school, college, or, or, or your, your career. For ideas and, and contributions to the podcast, contact us at info at nolansf.org.